let's bow together in prayer. Let's pray and seek the Lord and, and trust him for his blessing. We're longing for God's uh, touch upon our gathering. And God can touch your heart and he can meet your need and he can open up your eyes and he can give you an understanding of his grace. And he can fill you with his love and you can leave this place a completely different person. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here this evening. We're glad, Lord, to be in the place where prayers want to be made. And we're glad to be in a place where we can sing your praises, listen to your word, and be involved in all the various different aspects of fellowship. Thank you, Lord, for one another. Thank you for uh, the word of God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for ministry and worship and in praise and in thanksgiving. Lord, we thank you for everything. You're truly a gracious and a wonderful God. And we pray that tonight, Lord, as we gather together, as we mingle together, that we will be caught up with the sense of God moving from seat to seat and from heart to heart. Lord, we ask for the help of the Spirit of God in, in our worship and in our praise. And we'll give you the glory for you alone are worthy. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said... All right, we're going to sing three songs tonight, and uh, during the singing of these songs, we'll get you to stand during the full duration. If, however, you're not able to stand, you are at perfect liberty to sit at any time you like. All right, but we'll stand and sing. This is a good old-fashioned standard to God be the glory, and it is a good going song, and that's a wee hint. All right, thank you. We'll stand and sing to God be the glory. Thank you very much. Thank you, Emma.
overcame him that is the enemy of their souls by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and loved not their lives unto death. The next song that we're going to sing is My Testimony. And you ever in a situation where you're given an opportunity to speak up for Christ and you didn't take it because you felt a wee bit embarrassed? Well, you're going to have difficulty singing this song. I'm not ashamed to hold my Lord or to defend his cause. So listen, the next time you're in a situation, remember that this song says, I'm not ashamed to hold my Lord, no matter what circumstance or situation, because of what he has done for us. He identified with us, let's identify with him in every situation and circumstance of life. Thank you, Emma. Tell your face that your heart's happy, don't you? Sometimes it's nice to see we smile. I do my best to stand up here smiling, even, I, even though I'm the one that's under the pressure, all right? But listen, let's rejoice because he has done wonderful things for us, because he is a faithful God. Have you just reminded yourself today 
how faithful God is. Well, this song tells us what a faithful God have I. seated. Uh, let's just still our hearts and bow together in prayer and let's just commit our gathering to the Lord. We're asking and needing and seeking the Lord's help and his touch upon our gathering. So let's just ask for the Lord's help as we come again around his word as a group of his people hungry for God to speak again. Lord, thank you that we're gathered together in this place. Thank you, Lord, that you've gathered us together from the different arts and parts of this community. You brought us in under this roof, Lord, that we might have an audience with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you that we do serve 
a faithful God. What a faithful God of I, faithful in every way. Lord, many of us today can look back over our lives and recount the many blessings, the many uh, events, Lord, that you have come and you've encouraged us, inspired us, you've blessed us in so very many ways. Lord, we can, some of us can recount answer to prayer. Some of us can recount, Lord, uh, you, the way that you helped us out of difficulties and, and fear and the many different things that would beset our lives. Thank you for a faithful God. Thank you that you're faithful to your promises. Thank you that you're faithful to the blood. Thank you that you're faithful to the covenant. Thank you, Lord, you're a faithful God. Lord, oftentimes we're not just so faithful. Oftentimes, Lord, we, 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 we somehow stray away. We, we, we don't go the way that we ought to go and we think things and we say things. But, oh God, we thank you that our God remains faithful. Lord, our, our Father, we pray uh, that as we come again to your word, we know, Lord, that you'll be faithful in that you'll keep your promise. Where two or three are gathered, you're here. And Lord, oftentimes it's what's going through our minds. It's the, it's the thoughts that we entertain that oftentimes, Lord, block out your speaking voice to our hearts. Lord, we want to be real before you tonight. We want to ask, Lord, as we open up the, uh, the, wind, uh, as we open up our, the doorway of our hearts, Lord, that you'll open up, open up the windows of heaven. And you pour us out showers of blessing. Lord, we just don't want to come here just to wait away an hour. We want, Lord, to know that there has been uh, transactions done for eternity. So, Lord, we confess we are, not, we are not perfect. We confess, Lord, our sins before you. We confess, Lord, that we have thought and done things we shouldn't have done. Lord, we've acted and reacted in ways that we shouldn't have done so. And so, God, again, we come to you and pray your blessing upon us. Accept, Lord, our, our, our thanks, but, O oh God, we come and asking for your cleansing and your forgiveness again. We do, do pray, dear God, that you will meet our need tonight. And, Lord, right around this community, Father, we pray there will be lives changed and transformed by the mighty power of God. We think of our families and our friends and our loved ones and our community. Lord, we ask that God will meet uh, move in a mighty way. And so, Father, we pray for this meeting that you release the power of the Holy Spirit upon us, that as we read your word, may it resonate in our hearts. And, O oh God, as we hear your word explained and expounded, may it, Lord, cause a tremendous change and shift in our attitude and in our direction. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. We're going to get you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. It will come up on the PowerPoint, but if you've got a Bible, I still love to hear the rustling of pages. And so if you've got one, but I'm not bound by all of that, but nevertheless, if you've got a Bible, then I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, I'm reading from verse 12 to verse 15. And then the text that we're coming to tonight is in Hebrews chapter 7 and the verse 25. The title tonight is Our Triple A Saviour. And uh, the secret is in the outline that I will give to you as I preach along God's word. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, uh, reading from verse 12 to verse 15 of this uh, wonderful uh, letter of Paul's to Timothy. And then if you've got a finger in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, then that will be handy as well. Here's what Paul says as he's instructing his young pastor, Timothy. I thank him, that is Jesus Christ, who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me 
to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and innocent, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me and with the faith, with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Then over there to Hebrews chapter 7 and the verse 25, and here's what it says. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He is able to save to the uttermost them that come to him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. It's not hard to get into trouble, sure it's not. I can remember as a youngster growing up, I was always in trouble. If I wasn't in trouble with my father, I was in trouble with my mother. If I wasn't in trouble with my mother, I was in trouble with the police. Not seriously. I don't think I murdered anyone yet. If I wasn't in trouble with a school teacher, I was in tr trouble with someone else. It's not hard to get into trouble. It's not hard to get trouble with, into trouble with a wife. Sure it's not. I tell you, and some of you men look as if you're just waiting for a good row. It's not hard to get in trouble with people in your community. It's not hard to get trouble, into trouble with your neighbors. See that dog of yours? If you don't get that dog locked up, we'll get it. Well, I don't know what they're doing nowadays. Uh, it's not hard to get into trouble. Not hard to get in trouble if you've got a heavy right foot. Isn't that right, boys? Eh? I have zero point. On <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. Isn't that right? I'll have maybe not be able to say that tomorrow. Well, I just had to drive sensibly then. Isn't that right? as I always do, most of the time, when nobody sees me. <laughs> it's not hard to get trouble financially. <coughs> sure it's not. Some of you women need to get that credit card to your husband and get it cut up and threw in the fire. Or is it the other way around? It's not hard to get into trouble economically, financially. It's not hard to get into trouble nowadays because of the price of fuel and cost of living and the interest rates that have increased 14 times in the last few months. It's not hard to get into trouble. But sometimes you can get out of trouble because there's a lack of evidence. There's a get out clause. Or, or sometimes a technical hitch. You might be as guilty as sin but because there's a technical hitch they can't take it any further. Or sometimes you talk nice to the boss. I promise you I'll never be late again. Or sometimes you just have to appease the parents and they'll overlook your trouble. Relationships are one of the things that is most difficult, especially when it is with the wife. I see now over in Canada you can divorce your parents. So they say, don't try it, boys, or you'll have us to answer to. 
But when they live with you and they linger with you, you have to work through getting through your difficulty. And I will say a wee word to those whose perhaps marriages can oftentimes go through rough times. If you work at it, and when you get two people committed and dedicated to sorting it out, you most likely will get to a place of resolution. I have a brother, well, I had a brother. He's now in heaven, thank the Lord. I mean, he's in heaven and not hell. That's what I mean. Um, he, he died very young. He used to say that if money can't get you out of it, you're in bad shape. I don't agree with that because I want to tell you there's a lot of things you can get into trouble with and money's no good to you. Isn't that right? Money's no good to you. I'm reminded of the story of a, a, of a, a brother-in-law of mine. He got stuck on the hedge and uh, money was no good to him getting out of the hedge. He needed something stronger than another car. He needed a lorry to pull him out. What I'm saying is, sometimes you need more than money. Sometimes you need more than a counselor. Sometimes you need more than a judge and jury. Sometimes you need more than a tactical hitch. But when it comes to our relationship with God, there is only one way. And that is through Christ. Christ is the only way. And so I want to look tonight... Uh, because our hearts have been corrupted and perverted and distorted by sin. And the problem that we have is our relationship with God, and it's the cause of every other issue that's at odds in our lives. And the only one that can sort out that difficulty between us and God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul was saying as he encouraged Timothy to preach the gospel with full-blooded confidence and assurance. It's what the writer said in the book of Hebrews when he said in Hebrews chapter 7, he is able to save to the uttermost. So here's the first A, he is able to save. We have politicians come to our door looking for their vote, our vote, isn't that right? We have mechanics who say they can fix our car. An electrician, he says, well, I can sort out your wiring and electrical needs. Doctor, he comes to sort out your sickness. A plumber, he comes to sort out your plumbing. There's no point in a doctor coming to sort out your electrical work. So there's not. There's no point in a painter coming to try and do a surgeon's job. You'll be having all sorts of colors in your brain. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Politicians promise to fix our countries. The doctor promises to fix your health. The economists promise to fix your finances. Plumbers promise to fix your water systems. Mechanics promise to fix your car. And only Jesus Christ can fix your life. Only Jesus Christ. And that's why the writer in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 said, He is able to save to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for you. You know, uh, me uh, and my uh, travel, uh, traveling uh, needs there recently, I was looking at the computer uh, of my car, 
And there was a wee sign came up in my car there the other day. It's been there for about two weeks. And it says, there's a problem with the inflation of your tires. You need to have on the front of your tires 2.4. Some of you mechanics, you know all about this, all right? 2.4 bar. I haven't a clue what that means. Well, I have now. I didn't then. And it says in the back wheels, it had to have 2.2 bar. Well, I kept ignoring it because the car seemed to be going all right. And then I said, I'm fed up with this wee sign coming up on my computer in my car telling me that, there's, uh, that there's, uh, I need to look into the problem with my tires. And so I went, you're going to laugh at this, I went to the, you know, you new yards just opened down there in Balamina High. You know, just around the corner there from, you know, that new one that was closed and there's open, I don't know what you call it, it's a, it's a spa place. And I'd already gone to, I'd already gone, where had I gone to before then? I'd gone to Sainsbury's, the film, the, the film place there. And, and I put in, and I put in air and I said, do not drive, after I put in air, or took out air, of the, whatever I did, I put it into memory. And after I did that, it said in my computer, do not drive, tires need inflated. And recommended, uh, recommended inflation, 2.4 on the front and 2.2 in the back. I said, that old machine mustn't be working. So I drove around to the new one, you know, the, the spar there. And I said, maybe it was wrong. And it let more air out of my tires. It was, you see, 2.4 doesn't mean 24 pound of pressure. No, it means 36. But I was out to put in 24 and 22. So what I done is I, in between times, I phoned uh, BMW. I said, I've got a trouble with my car. I said, she says, what's wrong? I says, well, my computer tells me that I need to put in 24 and 22. But I says, I'm after doing that. And I says, it tells me not to drive any further. I need to sort out my tires. So guess who I did? See, I phoned BMW. Guess what they told me to do? Go around there to Quick Fix. Quick, what is it? Quick Fit. It's a Quick Fit, is it? I went round to Quick Fit and he says, what did you put in that tire? He sa- I says, I put in 24. Ya fool, he says, that's 36 pound of pressure you should have been putting in. You'd know all about this, Isaac, wouldn't you? And, and you should have been putting 34 in the back. Listen, my dear friends, it's good to go to the experts, isn't it? And when it comes to the fixing of our soul, only Jesus Christ can sort out the issues of our lives. He alone knows how you work. He knows the, this. But you know what happens? I went to the source of the problem with my tires. I went and I phoned BMW, and then he told me to go to some expert. Now, you're probably thinking, that fella, you must be as thick as a double ditch. Well, I've told you that for months, haven't I? But he, here's the thing. Here's the thing, my dear friend. We need to go to the source of our problem. Half the time, we're only dealing with the symptoms And we're not dealing with the problem. And whenever we don't know what the real problem is, we keep going to the wrong people for the wrong things. Whenever you go to the one who alone knows your need, Jesus Christ. Because our problem is not the things we do. Our problem is who we are. And we are cut off from the life of God. We are cut off from fellowship with him. But we run to this one, and we run to that one, and we run to this church, and we run to that church, and we run to this person, and we run to that person, and we'll try this, and we'll try that, and we'll take a wee bit of this, and a wee bit of that, and we'll try this, and we'll try that. Only Jesus Christ can fix your life. Only Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ, because you are cut off from fellowship with God and you're draining, you're, 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 you're slowly dying spiritually. 
And you'll run around all over the place and you'll try all sorts of things. When all the while Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is able to save. Here's the second thing. Not only is he able to save, my dear friend, he is agreeable to save. Jesus Christ came into the world, says Paul, to save sinners. My dear friend tonight, you do not have to twist your, God's arm up his back to save you. You never have to spend years and, and, and decades pleading with God. God doesn't sit up in some glorious cloud and looking down at the misery of individuals, playing with your emotions and your affections. God longs to save I'll tell you what it is from what I've discovered, even from my own life, and I've discovered as I read through God's word, it is his joy to save. Here's what he says in Luke chapter 15 and 10. I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, doesn't God get bad press, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He's often portrayed as a fool in, the, in, in our modern day uh, uh, programs on television. Or if somebody represents a Christian, they're always a fool too. Not true? Oh, you're kind of half dead, I mean. Have you been at one meeting too many days, that is? He's often presented as someone who doesn't know what he's doing. He's often presented as some meager ogre that's, uh, are we hard? She, she loves, she loves, every time you go into the house, the Grinch is on. And I said, the Grinch, I said, if I get that Grinch, I'll put him in jail and he'll never be let out again. The Grinch that he wanted to spoil Christmas. And remember, you see it? I've seen it a hundred times now. I could nearly tell you the whole thing. I don't know how she can handle that computer, a television thing, because I can't get the stations on it. Oftentimes, God is portrayed as a Grinch. The Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. Men point to this disaster and that disaster. They don't want to believe in God in their life, but whenever they meet troubles and problems, they blame it on God. They pointed to this disaster, they point to that disaster, they point to this problem and that problem. God gets bad press. People portray him as some mealy-mouthed individual who wants us to squirm and who wants us to worm in this world. My dear friend tonight, God wants you to enjoy your salvation. God wants you to enjoy life more abundantly. God wants you to enjoy freedom in Christ. He wants you to enjoy the fact that your sins are forgiven and you're a child of God and you're on your way to heaven and your problems will soon be over. This is joy. Wouldn't it, isn't it interesting that the angels tonight may be poised in this, over this meeting, longing, waiting, just to rehearse and to recount, to recount that the wonderful blessing of another soul in Kulabaki has come to Christ. To think that your name could be re resounding around heaven because once you were lost, but now you are found. Once you were blind, but now you are see. Once you were dead, but now you're alive in Christ. Don't you think? That God would rejoice tonight, happy that you would come to Christ. 
It's his joy to save. Don't think for one minute that God makes you run around in circles trying to find peace with God. Don't think you have to jump through hoops tonight because God is willing. He's, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is his joy to save. He's agreeable. It's not something difficult. Here's what it says in God's word. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God has given us all the means of grace. All the means of grace. The, the, word, the word of God. I want to tell you, I used to think that this was a dead old letter. And even when I had done my deals with God, and I was, I told you before, and if you don't know what that means, then you'll have to ask me later on. But when I had nightmares and dreams, I, I said, Lord, I can't be miserable like this. And I thought you just did deals with God. And I think people do deals with God, but you're not supposed to. But I did. And I said, God, if you take away my nightmares and dreams, I'll read your word. But I was reading it. It was a dead letter. It was nothing to me. It was just, it was a chore. You see, when I got converted, this thing come alive. It came alive. It's like running in living water. This is, God can work miracles. This is the only book that can change your life. What a, what a wonderful blessing it was. Let me tell you, dear friend, he's given you God's word. He's given you the grace of his Holy Spirit. He's given you the fellowship of God's people. He's given you wonderful blessings beyond count. All the means of grace. It's his joy. Let me tell you, it's his judgment to save. It's his judgment. Nowhere, listen, nowhere does God's word say that he'll change your circumstances. Nowhere does it say he'll change your situations. But what it does say is he'll change your heart. He'll change your heart. Oftentimes, God uses the circumstances and the situations to bring us to himself. That'll cause us to cry out to him. Listen, I, 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 I don't know, uh, when I was a young fella, I started getting toothache, and I would never have gone, see that, when I, see the idea of going to a dentist, I scared the living, are you a dentist? Just close your ears for a minute. I was terrified of dentists. I had built up a picture that they just loved to see me in pain. And he comes out with that needle, it's about that, that length, what, what length is it? And you see him coming towards you, and he's going to put that thing down your throat, and you wonder, where on earth is the rest of that? And then whenever he starts putting the needle in you, are you a dentist, by the way? No. You're not going to be a dentist after this. <laughs> and I used to scare the living daylights of me, but very often I had to go to the dentist. Why did I go to the dentist? Because I had a problem with my mouth. You see, whenever you become aware of your sin and your condition. You see, whenever you become aware that you're lost, the greatest place that if you're not saved tonight that you can get to is that you would be afraid of dying and going to hell. Because that means the convicting power of God has come upon you. Or another side of that is that you're so conscious of the fact that you're a sinner and you need God's salvation and you become aware that your life is offending God. The gracious Holy Spirit. It's God's judgment to change your heart. He says, a new heart I will I give you and I'll give you, I'll take away your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Isn't it interesting that God didn't eradicate Saul as he was on the road to Damascus. But he shined the light into his soul 
and he was born again. See, God could destroy anyone he wished, but he chose to bring Paul or Saul to himself. It's his judgment to save, not to destroy. Notice, it's his gift to save. It's his gift. He could just wipe us out, but instead, he gives us new life. We're going to sing at the end of this service, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's probably taken from various parts of the scriptures, but it's most definitely taken from Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's God's gift to save. I don't know what kind of gifts you'll get at Christmas. Maybe you'll look at them and be disappointed. Maybe you'll look at them and you can't wait. Maybe you've got them sitting under the tree. Maybe you've got the tree up or maybe you're just ready to put up the tree and you can't wait to put your presents under the tree. Let me tell you, my dear friend, you'll never get a greater gift than the gift of God's salvation. Here's the last A. So we have, he's able to save. He's agreeable to save. He's available to save. He's available. I don't know if you've noticed what happened during and since COVID struck. Now, the jury's out in my head over COVID. I don't know what way it is with you. But according to me, in my head, the jury's out. I don't know what was going on. But I do know that in 2030, if you look up Google, and you Google 20, the 2030 reset, you'll see that there's something significant going to happen in 2030. Look up, just Google it, 2030. But if you want to rule people, you strike fear into their hearts. And I believe that sometimes maybe we were just been herded. But here's another thing that I've noticed in COVID, since COVID struck our world. The queues got longer. When you went, tried to phone someone, we are very busy at this moment. Does anybody agree with this? We're very, very busy. You are very important to us, but we are taking other calls, and we'll get to you just as soon. Hands up those of you who heard that. And it didn't happen until COVID came. I know the queues are a wee bit longer, but after COVID, they were 10 times as long. And you try phoning someone today, you are very important to us. We know that you are waiting, but we will get to you just as soon as we possibly can. And it's still going today. Well, God says you are important to me. God says that if you call on his name, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He doesn't put you into a waiting queue. He comes straight to you when you call on his name. Because you are important to him. He's available to save. Here's what it says in God's word. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 27, there's two little passages. Acts chapter 17 and verse 27, when Paul was just after his great speech on Mars Hill, whatever, here's what it says. The Lord is not far from any one of us. I think that's amazing. 
He's not far from each one of us. And this is to a bunch of people who didn't know God. And isn't it interesting then, therefore, that if he's not far from any one of us, he's not far from you now. The very fact that God would draw near to us. Here's another little verse in, in, in Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. It happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town in Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal. Present to heal. We love to sing that little song, reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. You'll find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He's passing by this moment your needs to supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. I believe the Lord is here tonight. I believe that. We sang earlier, what a faithful God have I. And he keeps his promises. And if you're on, on the periphery of salvation, or if you're cold at heart and you're backslidden and you're in a cold place tonight, he's not far from you. Because in Acts 17, you go home and read it. These people didn't deserve the Lord. They didn't even live for the Lord. They weren't even interested in the Lord. But even, even with that, he still wasn't far from any of them. There's a great big theological word called the omnipresence of God. And no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you cannot hide from him. He's here. Sometimes we sense it more concentrated than others. But that could be uh, the result of a million and one things that's going on. It could be what's going on in your head. It could be what's going on in my head. It could be what's going on within the body. Or it could just be what's going on in the atmosphere. But that doesn't mean he's not here. Present to heal, able to save, available to save, agreeable to save. A few wee things on that. First of all, you have to call on to him. Last Friday night, I was preaching up in Derry Gonley. I, I, I said to Heather and I said to the people up there, it was what I would call a good old-fashioned mission. A wee bit like what we had here, was that in April? Was that in April? It was. It was kind of like an old-fashioned, just a bit of singing and a bit of preaching. I want to tell you, every night, I've spoken it three or four nights, and every night there was a sense in which God was there, out in the middle of the sticks. I mean, away in the back of beyond. You know what that is? It's a wee bit away. It's about 95 miles or more for me to travel. In the back of beyond. And I was, I was uh, chatting to the folks and, and telling them that, that you, know, you don't have to do all sorts of, of uh, gymnastics. God is even here in Derry Gonley. It's on the far side of Enniskillen. And I said, I give them an ABC. And I thought this was very interesting. There was a couple in on the Friday night that had never been in a gospel meeting in their lives. And I give them the ABC of God's salvation. And here was the A, acknowledge you're a sinner. We get it hard to do that, don't we? 
If you don't acknowledge you're a sinner, then you'll never call on, on the Savior. So I said, you acknowledge you're a sinner. And when I, went, I went down that and explained a wee bit about that man. And then I said, you have to do the next bit, which is B, believe Christ died for you. And then the third, the third letter, C, I said, you have to come to him. Come to him. That's exercising faith. I mean, I've, I've said this before. I'm going to do this before. That's a great chair. I never get an opportunity to sit on it. But there's a, there's a great chair. I'm sure it's comfortable. I don't think I've ever sat in that chair before. You see, that chair was constructed for, for to hold my weight or anybody's weight. And it's soft. You can be thankful you don't have hard seats. So you don't. At least they're soft. Soft. Or whatever it is you say around here. They're soft. And it's constructed as, as well, as well, as, as good and sturdy. All the knowledge that I have of that chair, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. I haven't taken what I know about that chair and put it and, and personalized it. I haven't acted. And here's you exercising faith in what Christ has done. You come by faith. Charles Stanley used to preach sitting down any girl sorts. Well, here's the thing. There was a woman at that meeting, one of those people that had never been at a meeting before. Don't think her husband was there, there's somebody else with her. She went straight home and she told the husband the A, B, C of salvation. And then I also went on to say, but some people are D, E, Death. Death. And she told that to the husband. You see, friend, you have to call on to him. To call on to him is an acknowledgement of need. Call on to him. Bartimaeus did it. Zacchaeus did it. The paralytic did it. The ten lepers did it. Call on to me. Then you have to also come unto him. That's an anxious, an action of faith. And then there's another big one, which is confess unto him or accept God's terms. You accept God's terms. You come God's way, God's time. Not your way and not your time. Because he's available to save. I wonder tonight, as you heard the Therapele Savior, he's able to save, he's agreeable to save, and he's available to save. Are you saved? I mean, I'm not talking about are you religious. Are you saved? Do you know Christ? Is there something of excitement within your heart as you think about Christ and what he's done for you? Are you enjoying in salvation and are you enjoying the fullness of his salvation? Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Or are you still just dancing on the periphery? He's able to save to the uttermost. Those are coming to God by him. I'm, it's interesting that in Mark chapter 10, verse 36, Jesus comes across another individual who's paralyzed and he's sitting by the pool of Bethesda and he says, what do you want me to do for you? 
And he never tells him. He never gets an answer. All that that man sitting at the pool of Bethesda says, everybody seems to be making it into the pool when it's been stirred before I get and there's nobody to help me. All he had to do was ask Jesus to touch him. And that's all you have to do if you're not converted to me. Let's still our hearts and bow together in prayer as we bring this gathering to a conclusion. And it might just be that tonight you've sensed God speaking to your heart. Can I say again, you can take this home with you. He is able to save. He is agreeable to save. He is available to save. And he's able to save you tonight. Don't go home without Christ. And don't go, through, don't go through the rest of your life without him either. Our Father, as we bring this gathering to a conclusion tonight, thank you, O oh God, that you would even uh, prolong your day of grace to include tonight. That you would extend your day of grace to include every individual that's gathered here. That you would, Lord, once again speak the gospel into hearts, Lord, that have already heard it a thousand times. And yet, Lord, they've never actioned their faith. We ask, Lord, that even now, as we bring this meeting to an end, that your speaking voice would continue on and that you would grant salvation full and free to some life or lives. So we give it the results, the consequences into your hand. We pray that you'll break the chains of Satan, that you'll dispel his dark thoughts, that you'd overwhelm his influence, that you'd break the shackles and set prisoners free tonight and grant lord that even now tonight there will be those whose names are written in the lamb's book of life we ask it in jesus name and for his sake and everybody said amen we're going to stand and sing great song and it's the original one not the newer version but the original one uh, the one that john newton wrote amazing grace how sweet the sound and if we get to the third verse can we do it a cappello style? That'd be all right. Is that agreeable? We'll do it a cappello style. I love to hear the harmonies and now and then again. And we get to verse four, we'll raise our uh, uh, our voices up with music and everything on verse four. Amazing grace. Thank you. We we'll stand and sing.
If anyone would like to speak with us uh, before you leave, I'll be in the foyer of the church. Gladly help, gladly help you if you uh, need any help. But please, don't go any longer in your life if you still don't know Christ. He's able, he's available, and he's agreeable. Our Father, part us in your fear with your blessing. May we, Lord, move to our homes conscious of that wonderful floodgate that's been opened to all who will call upon the name of the Lord. Bless, Lord, as we leave this place. Lord, be with the young folk later on as they uh, share together in the youth fellowship. Lord, we pray that they may truly be blessed of God as they mix and mingle one with the other down there as well. So we commit them to you, commit ourselves to you. Pray your blessing upon us. May we be a blessing to others. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless.